All right. So on here with uh, Mr. Joey, CEO and founder of Cured Nutrition. And uh, we're going to get this thing started off right. And the first question that I'm going to pose to Joey, and there's no lead up to this. Me and Joey have not discussed anything that we're talking about today is Joey, what's the favorite thing you've eaten today? Oh, you know what? I just got done working out. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a protein shake. It's really good. There you go. There you go. What's your, hey, uh, when you have a two year old daughter, those types of foods come back and you're like, all right, this stuff is good. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you, dude. Um, I can, I can fully attest that I have a two year old son. So, uh, there you go. You know, the, yeah, we're on the same page for sure. So now the question is, do you go, you know, peanut butter on one side and jelly on the other and put them together? Is that how you do it? That's how I do it. Got it. That's how I do it. Is that your method or do you have another trick method? No, that's my method too. But I have seen people go like peanut butter on the, like as the base and then just like mm -hmm. lather the jelly right on top of the peanut oh. butter. Right. And then, oh. you know, you know, do whatever, fold it over, you know, however you, you know, funky ways, funky ways. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you and I are on the same page. Um, all good. So, um, obviously, um, we got to hear, uh, or if you were lucky enough to be at our retreat, we got to hear uh, your origin stories a little bit and, you know, where you came from and kind of how you ended up in the position that you are. But for those who weren't there, um, take us back a little bit to, you know, how you, um, how you grew up, first yeah. of all, and then kind of what led you into, you know, the fitness and nutrition space that you find yourself in now. Uh, and we'll go from there. So cool. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a family where both my parents were like extremely hardworking. My dad was a airline pilot and he flew internationally. So he was gone a lot. He would, he would be home for three days. He would be gone for four days, home for three days, home, gone for four days. And that cycle was, it was kind of hard for me. Um, my dad never intentionally wasn't there but his career pursuit made it so he was there and gone there and gone there and gone and so for me from a very young age i always wanted to prove myself i always wanted to feel loved by my dad when he came home from a trip so i remember when i was really young i would be like when i started mowing the lawn i don't know maybe 11 12 years old my dad would come home and I would always be like so proud to show my dad the lines, like check out the lines in the grass and the grass is green. And I think like from a very young age, I had hard work and discipline ingrained in me by watching my dad, but also wanting to like prove to my dad that I could be the man of the house when he was gone, which is, it's a confusing thing. And what that actually led to later down the road was this internal story for me that said, I just had to produce results to be loved by the outside world. And I haven't, I didn't learn that until much later, but that was my childhood. And then I was an athlete in high school and then was really good at math and science and physics and terrible at English reading and writing. So I ended up going into engineering, which was the path that was kind of a backup path. I wanted to be an airline pilot, but at a very young age, I had started to get very bad eyesight. 
So I realized that to be the fighter pilot that I wanted to be, I couldn't actually do that. And then I wanted to be an astronaut. I couldn't do that either. So I realized in high school, I said, well, if I can't fly the planes, I want to figure out how to build the planes. And that's what I ended up doing. So I went into college. I went into a mechanical engineering uh, degree with an aerospace minor and worked my ass off to get through that. But in college, things got pretty dark. And what I realized was I had this internal narrative about myself from a very young age that I was a bad and broken person. And that internal narrative was extremely destructive and also something that was living way below my awareness. I I didn't understand it until I went through lots and lots of therapy. But when I got into college, what I realized was a lot of people that I was surrounding myself had that same internal narrative. And it was it was ultimately a hatred for themselves. It was probably a bunch of different flavors of hatred for themselves because I never talked to them about it. But as I reflect on it, I can I can see that. And when I got into college, I started drinking and doing a lot of drugs. And it started very slow freshman year. And by my senior year, it was five, six nights a week. I was drinking, doing drugs, blacking out. And it got really dark until ultimately one morning, 2.30 a.m., I was coming out of a blackout and I had climbed over a guardrail of a bridge and my feet were hanging off the edge of the bridge and I was ready to take my last step and and, end my life. And the truth was, I was trying to escape myself. If you looked at my life at that time, I was lying, I was cheating, I was extremely egotistical, I wasn't the best friend, I would do things behind people's back. And the hardest part when I look back at that is that growing up, I I was extremely disciplined and my parents raised me to have really strong morals and ethics. And I went into this career pursuit with um, sort of like, it, it felt honorable. Like I was going to get a, a prestigious degree and go work for um, prestigious companies. But that was the story about who I was to myself, but to the outside world, I was somebody completely different. And that gap between those two people was something that caused a lot of anxiety because when there's a difference between the person that you say you are and the person that you actually are, you don't recognize it when you're in it. You could potentially recognize it when you're in it, but I didn't. It causes a lot of anxiety because the outside world could could point the finger at you and say, you're, you're not who you say you are. And this person that's showing up is, is absolutely not the person that you say yourself to be. And, and that was me. And that like really hurt. It caused a lot of anxiety and it ultimately led to, to depression. And it led to me escaping myself through drugs and alcohol and then almost ending my life. And it took some time, but I was put on antidepressants right away. I stayed in my college town until three, four weeks later where my parents were like, you have to get out of this town. I was continuing to drink. I was continuing to do drugs along with all the medication. And I was continuing to black out. And my suicidal ideation was getting worse and worse. And it ultimately led to the point where my parents just like had to pull me out of that town. Um, and it took a couple of years, but living at home and completely separating myself from that environment 
is the thing that ended up bringing me into the bodybuilding world because I was extremely lonely at the time. I didn't have a friend group and I didn't really know what I was doing with my life besides trying to finish up this degree that I had worked so hard for. And that was 2012, 2013, when I found the Instagram bodybuilding world. And that was when I ultimately became a pet competitor and competed in physique competitions for about four years, which was the whole catalyst to everything that I have now, my business and everything. So that was my story from a young age until like this pivotal place. But it it was there was a lot of darkness that ultimately led me to finding the world of fitness and health and nutrition gotcha yeah and i remember you telling me or telling us at um the retreat you know the story uh, a little bit more in your story about you know the 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 sp- a specific situation um with you on a bridge and and there was a a moment more like a message um or or something of the sort right um that was you received uh one way or the other uh with an individual who essentially saved your life and you didn't realize it at the time but now you do right looking Mm -hmm. back on it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so when i heard that again tell that story if you, if you want, if you want to save that one for, you know, bigger audiences, that's okay too. Um, no, I'll tell it. Uh, tell it for sure. Go ahead then. Yeah. You teed it up really well because, you know, I, 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 I say that I ended up on that bridge and I ultimately didn't jump off of that bridge, but it was Tuesday morning, 2 30 AM. And there was somebody underneath the bridge that morning, like, to know that there was somebody there that had an opportunity to ultimately stop me. He stopped me. He's, he saw me. He said, don't do it. He ended up climbing up the rocks, asking me, Hey, can I come up there and pull you back over? He climbed up the rocks, climbed around the bridge and ended up pulling me over the guardrail and, and, and honestly saving my life. And what I, what I said at the retreat about that story was, something that became a huge realization for me just recently because I started telling this story really to allow people to be okay with sharing their darkness and saying that they've struggled. And my business, Cured Nutrition, and my coaching business that I run with my wife and the people that I've connected with online and the podcasts I've been on, all of that has stemmed from me telling that story. I just started telling it a couple of years after it happened. I was so afraid to tell it. And then I started telling it and people would raise their hands. Like I've experienced the same and, and thank you because your story has impacted me and, and, and changed my life and, and made it okay for me to say that I've struggled as well. And a couple months ago, it was, it was probably about two months before the treat retreat. I was like, am I going to keep telling this story forever? Like, Is there a time that I should move on from this story? Is it important for me to continue to tell this story? And I was reading a book by Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And in the book, I got to this page. And it's so funny. Now I can remember everything I said at the the retreat. When I read books, I typically fold the top page to mark where I'm at when I'm reading the book, but I fold the bottom of the page to say like, hey, something was potent here. You should probably come back to it. 
and I was rereading a book. It's actually The Gap in the Gain by Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And I got into this page and the bottom of the page was folded, but I didn't highlight anything. Typically, like I'll highlight something or I'll underline. And I got to the bottom of the page and I was reading it and I go, I wonder why I, like, I folded this page and I was rereading it. And I get to this point where Ben Hardy's writing the story about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And in It's a Wonderful Life, there's a scene where the main character, George, is about to go jump off of a bridge to end his own life. And an angel appears and it's Clarence the angel. And the thing is, is that when I almost jumped off that bridge, I was stopped by somebody. His name was Ben. And when Ben pulled me over that guardrail, he ended up asking me for my phone. I don't remember any of this, but he grabbed my phone and he texted his phone from my phone. The next day I was sitting in the hospital bed and I was under 24 hour surveillance. That day he sent me a text and in my phone, it was just Ben saved as Ben then, but I ended up saving it as Ben the angel after this. He said, Joe, how's the world today? And the thing that was so powerful about me rereading that piece in the book is that when I read it, the angel Clarence appears to George and Clarence takes George on a journey and shows him what the world would be like if he didn't exist. And the reason that hit me so hard, I was reading that book and I was literally asking myself, should I stop telling this story? Like, do I need to continue to tell this? And I read that piece in the book and I was like, oh shit. Like, and I just started bawling because I was like, oh my God, like I'm putting all of this together. Clarence showed George what the world would have been like had it not been, had he ended up not being there. And Ben, the angel, saved my life. And I started asking myself, I said, did, did Ben sitting there underneath that bridge that night at 2.30 a.m. recognize that this was his opportunity to be the character in It's a Wonderful Life? Did he know that he was Clarence to George? Did he know that this was his opportunity? And then I asked myself even further, I said, well, shit, like, what was Ben doing there? Like, why was he there? And my talk at the retreat was all about living a purpose-driven life and being extremely clear on what it is you want to do with your life. Right. And knowing that regardless of what you want to do with your life, you don't know how many people you can impact. And your life, the purpose for your life can be much more simple than you could ever think. And the truth was this, like Ben, my angel, was underneath that bridge that night because Ben was sitting there getting inspiration to write poetry. And if Ben hadn't said yes to something that was purpose-driven, something that he wanted in his life, if he hadn't have said yes to himself to say, it doesn't matter if it's 2.30 a.m., I'll go pursue something that I want with my life. If he hadn't have said yes to that for himself, he wouldn't have saved my life. He wouldn't have been Clarence to me. And he wouldn't have understood that the ripple effect that he had by just following a purpose-driven life has now affected over 130,000 customers in my company, Cured Nutrition, and thousands and thousands of people online. And what I said at the retreat was, 
Somebody needs you right now. Somebody needs you right now to listen to what you really want in your heart. Because if you listen to what you really want in your heart, you never know where it's going to place you. You don't know who you could be Clarence to. You don't know what lives you could save and the ripple effects that you following your purpose will ultimately have. And when I recognized that, man, I read that book. I was like, I don't know if I'll ever stop telling this story. But that like realization to me was like, it's so simple. You make a decision to do something what you, that what you want with your life. Be it poetry. You want to write poetry. Simply by pursuing that, you could end up in a place that could affect hundreds of thousands of people's lives. And um, I'm getting the chills right now. I just like, I, I, I said to everybody there that it is urgent for you to go follow your purpose in life and to ask yourself what that really is. Because if you don't, you could be missing out on saving somebody's life. And I really ended it with somebody needs you right now. And yeah, man, like I, that's, that's my story. And I was like, how is this real? Like, I don't know if Ben actually knew that. And I haven't texted him since somebody there in the crowd asked me if you've texted him since. And as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to text him because he did. He affected hundreds of thousands of people just by sitting there. Now, that's like you, you telling it again is, is even better the second time, because I think obviously every time you tell it, you get better at telling it. And then there's like a new little like yeah. thread you can pull on, you know, like a gym uh, that you can you can take away. But what I wrote down as you were telling it this time, which is an amazing story. So please never, never stop telling it. Um, whether you're just, you know, whether you're the CEO or some dude on the street, right. Tell it, tell it all the time. Um, is that living a purpose driven life might not be the purpose you thought it was. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so you have to surrender exactly. that idea of whatever it is like perfection or, you know, like whatever idea, like you were describing when you were younger, it's like, I have this idea of who I needed to be in my head, but I wasn't doing that thing. And, you know, it causes internal friction and it led to this, but the, the purpose driven life is like pursue what you think is right. What you think you're attracted to and you'll end up in the right place. Like you said, Ben, yeah, he was just pursuing poetry. He was just pursuing inspiration and lo and behold, you're sitting here today because of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. so like you said, the ripple mm -hmm. effect is, um, something that we don't understand. And I don't know that it's meant to be understood, uh, because it would probably melt our brain if it did. So yeah. we'll just keep yeah. it, keep it simple. <laughs> like he probably couldn't handle, but like you tell him, you're like, you're going to affect hundreds of thousands of people by doing this. Like you tell me that I'm like, what, how, why? But like, yeah, you, what you, what you said is so important, Justin, like, we set out on a path, even like with Hidden Summit, right? Like you all within Hidden Summit, you help people transform. But a lot of the times I bet the way in which they transform isn't exactly how you expected them to transform, but there's just like some realization or they change a story that they have about themselves. And then that has a ripple effect out into their world. Like you just show up and you do the work, but you can't be tied to like your purpose and your impact having to be like exactly as you designed it to be. I couldn't have said you, you said that really well. That's it's true. Uh, well, 
thank you. But like I said, you were, it was, it, it was just your message. I just was trying to figure out how it made sense to me. And I've come up on the same thread in a lot of different people's stories or a lot of different lessons, a lot of different things. I mean, like you're in the same space as like coaching, leadership, um, self-improvement, self-development. And when you come up on this subject of like per finding your purpose, finding your why, there's a lot of different packages to how we say that. A lot of times we try to make it real specific and there's not a problem with that. But what I find is exactly what you just said is sometimes it's super basic, right? On the outside. Mm -hmm. uh, but no matter what you believe in, whether it be God or the universe or whatever, you know, deity, I think it all kind of comes back to if you pursue what you, you know, if you pursue what you have in your heart, which is a, something hard to define, but if you sue, pursue what you're drawn to, you'll be where you need to be when you need to be there. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I don't think enough people actually like, I like what you said. What's with the heart piece, because I don't think enough people give themselves the opportunity to actually ask that question and fully answer it. Like maybe they ask it or they've been asked it, but they answer it through the lens of what somebody else expects of them, what the world says they're supposed to do. Like I used to answer all of those questions based off of, I thought I was supposed to be an aerospace engineer that was making six figures that had the status title. Like, I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but I had never felt more empty when I, what, like I didn't say is like, I ended up getting into that career and I spent six years in aerospace engineering, but I could have never felt more empty, but that's because I was telling, I was asking, I was, I was letting the world tell me what was supposed to be in my heart rather than me asking myself what was supposed to be in my heart or what truly is in my heart. Like, I like how you said that. That was, yeah. Like. But we don't ask that. Like, that's not like a question that you grow up. I mean, now that you have a kid and I have a kid, I know we're going to ask our kids that a lot. But like, I didn't, I don't feel like I got asked that a lot growing up. Like, right. what's in your heart? Yeah. You're, you're spot on, right? Like I said, I mean, obviously we're going to parent different than our, our parents did. And um, the generational thing, you know, hopefully as we unfold and our, our kids can become better and ask better questions than we did and so on and so forth, right? That's our hope. Uh, but you know, I, I can relate to you on that level is that I didn't end up what I thought I was going to be right. I grew up in agriculture on a farm. My family still farms. Yeah. Um, and I got several degrees in agriculture, just like you in your, in your profession, right. I worked in an agriculture field for several mm -hmm. years and it's not that it wasn't, um, like that it was draining by any means, but it wasn't it, it wasn't the thing. But, you know, helping people with their health and fitness, that was the thing for me, kind of how I ended up here in the first place. So, you know, to kind of circle back to what you said and get to the, the next part of your story, knowing that bodybuilding was something that helped you felt, you know, um, part of a community, you know, you were a little bit lonely there at home and uh, got into that space. I know you told a little bit of that story, like I said, in your presentation, what led you to... Uh, I guess what led you to cured, and I know that might be a, almost a very simple question, but what led you to this specific niche in the fitness and nutrition industry? Because it's pretty young and it's not very well known and it's not talked about on a regular basis. So tell, yep. tell me more about that. Yeah, I appreciate that because I believe we're at the doorstep of this still too. Sometimes it feels like yeah. I've been going for so long, man. <laughs> it's only been six years. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like, so, so what happened was I was pursuing, I was pursuing bodybuilding while also in my aerospace engineering career. And what I recognize is that in the supplement space, there was this time where I had posted a picture and I was three weeks out from a competition. I was shredded and I had also been starting to use steroids. And I remember that day, like hashtagging health and just being like so shredded. And I was like, hashtag health. And I walked into Lockheed Martin where I used to work, the defense contractor. And there was somebody that saw me walking in that day. I worked on the third floor. And when I was getting close to a competition, I was probably like, yeah, I think I was three weeks out and doing the morning cardio, doing the extreme dieting. And that hashtag health was so far off from what I really was at that time. I was this picture and that's what everybody thought at work too, because I walked into the lobby that day. Somebody was following me. I worked on the third floor. I'd gotten in whatever, 6 a.m. I'd done my hour of cardio. I was exhausted. Like my mind wasn't working. Nothing was really working. And I went to the elevator and this person goes, you're the fit guy. Cause he went to the stairs and that day, like I really started to think like it was very hard for me to concentrate. I wasn't getting as much work done as I should have. And what I realized was there was a piece and an and extreme in the industry that actually switched from health to unhealth or unhealthy, right? Right. Extreme in any route ultimately turns out unhealthy. And when I realized that, I said, I got to a very dark place and then I used bodybuilding to help save my life. But then it ultimately turned unhealthy again because all I was doing with bodybuilding and being that 3% body fat was, again, I was asking the world to tell me how I was doing. How do I look? How shredded am I? Can you give me compliments that are going to make me feel better? And that day, I remember telling myself, I was like, I'm going to do this competition, but I'm done after this because what started as something that was supposed to be a, a true health pursuit has now turned unhealthy for me. And from that day forward, I wanted to really define what true health was for me. And I looked around in the industry and I looked at the supplement companies and I looked at the, what they were promoting. And I looked at the people that represented the companies. And, you know, I saw that same picture of my hashtag health, which to me wasn't really healthy after I had this realization. And at this very same time, cannabis was actually being legalized in Colorado. And I had used cannabis years prior in high school and in college when I was drinking and doing a lot of drugs, but I hadn't used it by itself. It was under the lens of all these other things and me trying to escape. And as cannabis was legalized in Colorado, I realized I was like, Hey, like maybe I should try this. I'm interested in this. And I ended up using CBD. And I realized that it was really great for helping me calm down at night, helping me fall asleep. It was helping me recover. It was helping my performance. But I went into the dispensary to get it. And I asked myself, I was like, what's the story that the world has about the people that go into a dispensary? And the story that a lot of people have, 
is a narrative for from a hundred years. Like it's the Cheech and Chong, you're a stoner, you can't be a professional and use cannabis. And like I was having all of these realizations. I was like, okay, part of the fitness industry isn't promoting true health. There's this narrative about cannabis that is actually wrong because I was using it and I realized that like I could hold a job. I was a professional. I was highly responsible. I was doing all the things. I was like excelling in life. I was like, all right, I'm actually going to be somebody that has an effect on changing this narrative. And I started playing around with the idea of building a business. And at the same time, probably like three, four months later, I ended up taking a, a transfer in my position. And when I took that transfer, I ended up working more. And I was realizing like, this engineering thing is, is not what I want. Right. And I started to get to this place where I was like, I want to be this person, but this is who I am. And I was like, oh, this again. Like there's this gap between who I really want to be and what I really want to do with my life and how I really want to feel like I have an impact on people. And then there's me who's showing up, sitting in a cubicle, feeling like I'm living the life of quiet desperation. Like the Thoreau quote, like that's who I was. And I think so many of us find ourselves there. It's like, we want to be this person, but we're trapped. And as I started to feel that and recognize that again, I started to get depressed again. And I got to this point where I was like, I just, I got to go see a therapist and I got to talk to somebody. And the day that I went to go see the therapist, I ended up getting stuck in traffic to see the therapist. And I was so pissed off because usually it would take me 15 minutes to get to where I was going. And it took me an hour. And I was just like thinking about everything in my life. A relationship had fallen apart at the time. I put all the time and effort to, to growing and, and progressing in my engineering career. And I had this idea of like, maybe I should become an entrepreneur and I could start this business. And like, that was really exciting to me. But the truth was I was just trapped. I was literally trapped in my life situations. And then I was trapped in traffic. And I just, I, I was just like slamming my fist at one point on my, on my steering wheel. I was like, Joe, like, why are you here again? Like, how did you get here again? And I went and saw that therapist and I told them, I, I told him my whole story. I told him like what was going on with my relationship and that I took the new job and I was in this new town where I didn't really know anybody and I felt really lonely. And as I took the new position, I had a signing bonus that if I quit, I had to pay the signing bonus back. And it was just like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. There was this little piece that I told him about this idea that I had about shifting the narrative around cannabis and bringing it to the fitness industry. And he stopped me. He was like, Joe, like, stop. Like you're just going in circles. I want to, I want to give something to you, but I need you to give this to you. And he turns to his desk and he pulls something out and he writes it on it and he hands it to me. And it was a business card. And I flip the business card over and I read it and it goes, he goes, Joe, that's what you need. And I read it and it just said permission. And he said, you need permission, but you don't need it from anybody beside yourself. You're looking for everybody in the outside world to give you permission, but nobody's going to give it to you. You just have to give yourself permission. And that night I left the therapist's office. I never saw him again. I went in, I put in my letter of resignation. And the next day I woke up with this idea of shifting the narrative around cannabis and no job, <laughs> not a lot of money, but I had never been freer in my life. And that day in September of 2017 was the beginning of what has now become cured. And 
we're really a comp a supplement company that wants to change the narrative around cannabis and create a new landscape for what does it mean to truly be healthy and use alternative forms of health and supplements and and change that narrative and and now we're here today and that's what we do is we we look for people that exude very strong values that they're highly responsible they take care of themselves and they help us change the narrative and that's our company um and we're figuring it out every day but like it happened for me just leaving that therapist's office and giving myself permission that card still sits on my desk downstairs and i look at it every time i walk into that office and i always remind myself it's like whenever we're feeling trapped we're looking for permission from the outside world, but the only person that can give it to us is ourself. And if we can empower ourselves to remember that, then you can realize that you can really do anything that you want with your life, that you can be the conscious creator of your life. It's not easy, but it's true. Like you have the keys out of your own prison. That's where I was. Dude, that's awesome. That, again, that I think that rivals the story. Like every time you tell the story, you know, and obviously, you know, <laughs> You're here because of the first story, but you're where you are because of that story, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, obviously that's a, that's an awesome, awesome story to, with some big takeaways that I want don't want people to miss. First of all, what I just came to the realization of, you know, most people say like, "God, give me a sign that I'm going in the right direction." I don't know that you ever formally asked for a sign, but the the theme that's popping up in all these stories is like it's a text message. It's a mm -hmm. business card. It's a mm -hmm. something. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, call it what you want, but they seem to be like little, little breadcrumbs. It's like, you should probably pick this up because it's going to take you to the next spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couldn't agree. And who knows how many I may might have missed along the way, but those were, <laughs> those were clear signs. Like clearly, clearly. For, for sure. For sure. Like I said, and that, that, I mean, the, the lesson in that is, don't miss the signs. Like you got to be asking yourself the right questions. So when I, that comes back to, you know, you talked about in the beginning, you had this internal friction that was the main issue when you were young. Right. And then it kind of popped up again when you got into the, the aerospace world and mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a darker path. And then, you know, you went back home and you kind of isolated and you, you started to ask a few other questions and you got into bodybuilding and then you, you got so far into this bodybuilding world, which I mean, Thank God you're a hard worker because it got you to here. Obviously, I know it was, it's, it's been a, a problem. You know, it can be a problem at some points, but like you got into the bodybuilding world and you went so far in that direction, you got into friction again. You're like, hashtag health. Yet I'm, yep. I'm on TRT and can't even walk up a flight of stairs, right? Like it's <laughs> TRT plus, but yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TRT, X, 2X, 10X. Um, <laughs> So, you know, friction again. And so what I heard was you course corrected by asking yourself yet another question, but this time better questions, right? It's kind of like mm -hmm. you're talking about us raising our kids and asking them better questions. And maybe our parents asked us just because we know better now, but like you asked yourself a better question and was like, well, is this really what this is supposed to look like? Because I'm not so sure that it is because this is what I've been told. This is what I've been taught. And this is what I went hard in this direction. Mm -hmm. Yet here I am. And it's not really working out for me. So going into that cannabis shop and just, you know, 
trying to work with it recreationally from whatever your motivation was. It doesn't really matter. Uh, again, kind of going back to our purpose conversation, not really matter how you got there, but you got there. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what the thought that I had, and I wrote this down is that progress is at the intersection of two worlds combined mm-hmm. with purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people that walked in there that were bodybuilders and used cannabis, right. Or mm-hmm. like yoga teachers that use cannabis, like fitness world plus, you know, uh, recreational drug world. Right. But like you said, the narratives were so different that nobody ever had the purpose to create them together. And you walked in there and were like, you know, I'm curious, but I'm also frustrated. And then the, the, the you know, the therapy appointment, he got that he gave you permission to say, you should, you should pursue that purpose. You should pursue that curiosity, right? Cause now mm-hmm. we have the intersection of two worlds with cured, which is mm-hmm. just, you know, the first of, of many, I'm sure. Um, but the one that's the most, you know, the most well-known at this point, at least in, in, in my little world, um, yeah. to, to use alternative substances, so to speak, alternative supplements to improve health, but also to recreate this narrative. Like you don't have to be a, you don't have to be a stoner to be able to microdose THC, right? Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a, you know, a low life, don't have a job. All I do is take drugs. As a matter of fact, you can actually use those as performance enhancers as if we've used caffeine. Right. Mm-hmm. And so combining those two worlds, it just kind of struck me that that usually is where big changes happen is when people combine two worlds. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I didn't realize this until later down the road, but like, a lot of times our motivation stems from a lot of times, like we run away from things. Like we run away from fear. We want freedom from, and growing up, what I didn't mention in the beginning is that my uncle, my grandpa, my cousin, and almost me, I told the story of me, but they were all actually killed by alcohol, drinking, alcoholism, drunk driving. And so it has been very close to my awareness. And my mom actually stepped way out of that world. She was able to, she was able to not have alcohol, have an influence on her life. She ended up taking a different path. But what I did notice over the course of my life is that I grew up and I opened up the cabinet a lot and there was a lot of orange pills with, there was a lot of orange bottles with white lids. I saw that all the time. And what I realized as I got older was when I got depressed or I got anxious and I went and saw a doctor, I was instantly given an orange bottle with the white cap. And what I've realized is that I wanted to create an alternative to that. Like there's experiences in our life that give us opportunity to go back and heal or have an impact on or have an impact on other people. And it's all coming from like, ultimately for me, it all came from pain. Like I got up on stage there in Naples and I started off telling my story of how my company went, almost went out of business because we weren't clear on like our mission, our vision and our purpose. And what I've realized is the more that I talk about the things that I thought I wasn't supposed to talk about, the things that I thought disqualified me, the more people actually raise their hand saying, thank you. 
that really makes something feel like a connection to me, or I feel more connected to you. I trust you more. And so it's just like having this perspective of our mistakes and, and our pain have so many lessons in them. We just have to give ourselves the time to be able to see like, what was the meaning that I attached to this? Like, what was the meaning that I attached to all those experiences? The meaning that I've originally attached to us almost going out of business early in the years was like, I'm a terrible CEO. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And now the meaning I attached to this was, well, I've actually learned that having a clear mission, vision, and purpose and having core values is one of the most important things that you could do to run a business. And from us not having those to establishing those allowed me to restructure my company and then get up on stage and tell people, this is how you should not only run a business, but you should also run your life. Like you should have some clarity on those types of things. So that's a full circle way to just say like purpose can hide itself again. Like purpose can really hide itself. And sometimes it just takes a different perspective. Like the, the person walking into the cannabis shop, we could be looking at it com two completely different ways and your perspective is what matters the most. Like what's the story you're telling the world about yourself and what's the story you're telling yourself about yourself Tom, i love that like like you just said the the a lot of times the purpose is within the pain you know uh -huh. it it hides itself in the pain and it has a facade of suffering but usually you know in the majority of cases i would say all of that suffering be it self-inflicted or out of your control has a has a reason behind it or at the very least was pointing you has has pointed you in a direction in which you can change your perspective just like you said right so 100 uh, if you can unfold the pain the purpose is in there somewhere but like you said you have to be kind of disconnected from it because the same problem that same thinking that got you into the problem is not going to get you to the solution mm -hmm. which is why you talked about restructuring your company and, and finding purpose and things like that um so this might be and you may have already answered this somewhere else in the story, in, in your story so far, but what's one of the best or worst, most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And this could be time, mm. money, energy, whatever you want to say, however, however you think about investment. So many. <clears throat> one of the things that I do want to say is that without bodybuilding, I wouldn't have the discipline that I have to run two companies, be a father, be a husband and do life as I have life. And so that investment in myself, in wanting to develop the skill set and the discipline and the tools, if you like, I took it to an extreme, but it was part of because of my relationship with myself. And so like, I want to make it really clear that that investment in yourself, if you can learn how to physically change that same commitment and discipline applied to every other area of your life will make you a weapon. Like if you can get that structure, if you can get that commitment, if you can get that discipline and that routine, you can be a weapon in every other area of your life. So you have to look for that gold. And so that for sure. But I got to tell you, like over the last year, I've been doing somatic therapy. So I have a somatic therapist where I'm really going like internal to my body and feeling the parts of myself that I've stored shame in, I've created stories in. 
and somatic therapy has been one of the most transformative things for me that I've been doing over the last year. So two of those, like I, I, if I wouldn't have done the physical stuff first, like I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I could do this other stuff, but most recently, most recently somatic therapy. Gotcha. Okay. And the somatic part is that like, what is that? What is that referring to? So somatic is in the body. So we store, we store energy, we store memories, we store experiences in our body. And when we can go to the place in our body where that memory is stored, as in shame, as in anger, if it's in your throat and you couldn't speak to something, if it's in your, in the pit of your stomach and you feel shame, like you did something wrong whenever, like, like literally how I used to lead is I would be terrible at correcting behavior. Like if something was off, I'd be so bad at it. And I would actually like overcorrect things would come out sideways. And then I would feel all the shame. I would have a pit in my stomach, but like going to that pit in my stomach and trying to understand what that's really telling me is like the somatic work. Where is it stored? Where's the energy stored in your body? And it's like, I couldn't have done it without a lot of meditation and a lot of therapy because part of somatic therapy is being able to like tune into your body and be the observer, be the observer of the thoughts and the feelings and the energy that is showing up in that area. Um, but I would say like that was on the back end of obviously like the physical, the mental, the therapy. I didn't really talk about it here, but I've also done a lot of like psychedelics assisted therapy, all Mm -hmm. of that. I got a lot going on with me. I had to do a lot of work. Um, <laughs> somatic has been powerful recently. I like it. I like it. Now, like I said, it's, 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 uh, I feel like everybody's journey is a little bit different in that, you know, some people like go break themselves in half doing triathlon and they're like, yep, learned a lot about myself doing that. You know, some mm-hmm. people got to have, like you said, the, the, um, psychotherapy or, or, um, psychedelic assisted therapy, uh, mm-hmm. and then like somatic, like I said, there's so many categories out there now it's, you know, I'm not educated in that realm, but that's why I was curious is like, okay, what, what makes this, this. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, just investing in yourself. Like the idea of investing in yourself is saying, yes, I want my future self to be a new version. Like when you say yes, and you invest in yourself, you're committing to being that next person. Like that's what you're doing. And that yes to yourself is something I actually said that I think when I was up on stage there in Naples, I was like, I just said, congratulations to all of you that are here. Like very few people in life actually give themselves this gift of investing in themselves. And like, we don't get to do this over again. So why not invest in yourself right now? It could be like, it could be any step of everything that I just talked about. (laughs) I've had to invest a lot of money in myself, but like that, that to me is just the return is worth the, the juice. Like the return is just I, it's invaluable. You put the money in and then you can't put a value on like the freedom that you feel when you invest in yourself and you actually create the tools and the skills and everything that allows you to look at life in a different way and approach life in a different way. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I, I, uh, actually gave this, a, this example to a client the other day is the reason that 
you know, I think we call money currency as a category is because it has the same current of electricity. It's just a, it's just a mm. transfer of energy. And so, and I know that sounds like maybe, you know, altruistic or, you know, esoteric or whatever it, but like when you physically trade something off and you make the investment, there's a certain amount of energy that's getting put into and like poured in, into and, and pulled out of whatever it is that you're doing. And like you said, like, yeah, it's cost you whatever <laughs> the tab is at this point in your therapy. Right. <laughs> yeah. But look at, but, but I mean, like, look at you now versus you two years ago yeah. versus you five years ago and 10 years ago. And like you said, I mean, like, yeah, there's a lot of, but a, a bit of bumpy road along the way, but here you are developing tools to help people do it better. Um, yeah. So yeah, that current's great. That current analogy is great because a lot of people have asked me about my relationship to money. And every time I answer that with the more money I spend on myself in the realm of like personal development and becoming the person that I want to be or getting a mentor or like whatever it is, the more money I make. And so it's like the more that you hold on to something, the more it gets stagnant. And the more it gets stagnant, the less it actually works. So that current analogy is great because the more that I spend on myself to become more of the person that is I want to be, the more money that actually comes in because I am becoming the person that I want to be. And I have the ability to create more wealth and create more opportunity. I'm same page, brother. That's good. That's really good. Hey. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but feel free to use it as much as you need. It's yeah. not. It, it, it's not not trademark. No trademark. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's this one will be a little bit more of a kind of a fun one. What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? <laughs> I mean, I, the first place my mind went was cold plunging because a lot of people think it's absurd, but cold plunging, <laughs> like to me, is like the greatest return. Like you get in, and I was talking to we had a coaching group this morning and I was just saying like in, I was talking about environment, but like triggers are something that can shift identity. And to me, cold plunging is a trigger that when I get in it, like I never want to get in the thing. That thing sucks, but I do it every single morning. I just made one decision. That is the decision that I do it every day. It's not when I'm going to do it. It's, it's not if I'm going to do it, it's when I'm going to do it. And every time I get in, that first like couple seconds is like, this sucks, but I get out and I'm like, I'm a badass. And like, it shifts my identity. And like the weird part about it is like just sharing that narrative because maybe people are just like, this is like, it works, but like, I don't, <laughs> I don't give myself that story. So it's like the story that I have about myself is like, that's really transformative to me. And I honestly, I haven't been doing it recently, so I got to get back on it. But in the middle of the summer, like our cold plunge is sitting on our desk. I love grounding. I love getting my bare feet in grass. So after the cold plunge, I'll go get my bare feet in the grass and just feeling connected to the earth and feeling the sun on my body. After I do that, I just, there's something that just washes over me. That's like, like this feels like I'm one with the earth and all these big problems that we have, they can kind of like dissipate. And a lot of people might think like grounding with your bare feet in the grass is like some hippie thing. And it very well is, but I really like that too. <laughs> Joe, all you're doing is, is painting a better picture of the guy who 
uh, owns and operates the company that sells alternative <laughs> alternative uh, products. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right, there you go, there you go. <laughs> you know, some stuff comes with the territory, dude. It's just it it is what it is. You know what I mean? People are like, hey, oh, you have a southern accent. You grew up on a farm. Obviously, you know you're a redneck. <laughs> so I mean, it it is what it is. Yeah, um, I got some hippie in me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. But we'll uh, we'll wrap up with this one because I think this is one that people could use um, and um, that could actually, you know, maybe even something that your company makes could fall into this category. But when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused and you, you've you lost uh, that temporary, you know, laser focus that you might have or like your temporary bearing, what do you do? Like what questions do you ask yourself? Maybe what things do you, like physical things you do or products do you take? Like, what does that look like for you when you just, I'm a little lost. And I need to get back on track. Yeah. Two things for me. One is I have, I didn't, I haven't always done this, but I've been doing this recently. There's this app, it's called Endel Sounds and E-N-D-E-L. So Endel Sounds. So it's like, you can get binaural beats, you can get relaxation beats, but you can also get this, uh, time block thing where you can do like, uh, there's a word for it and I don't know what it is, but I'll set it for like 30 minutes and then it'll give me a five minute break. For me, I have to, I have to change my perspective because a lot of times like I'll work, 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 work. And I'll be like four hours in and I'll be like, I don't know if I did anything in the last hour, like anything actually productive. Like I looked at the email and I said, did we make money today? And I like did like, but what did I just do? So for me, like I have to I have to have like a trigger that tells me to get up and go like change my perspective, go look at things. And a lot of times what I'll notice in that same vein is that I'm not focusing on my breathing. So I'll give myself that like, okay, here's the trigger. I need to go step away from my computer or work or something for five minutes, change my perspective, go look like at the distance. So I'm not like looking at my computer. Man, I am a hippie. <laughs> so I'm not looking at my computer. But also like breathe, because a lot of times if I'm feeling anxious, it's because my breath is off and I'll focus on my breathing. And I guess I'll talk about one cured product, but we have a product called Calm Oil. That's something that I use um, whenever I'm feeling anxious and I need a little bit of extra kick is Calm Oil. You shake it up, you put it underneath your tongue, you hold it for 30 to 60 seconds and it'll feel give you a calm feeling in like 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but like breath perspective like getting up and like changing my environment and then uh then calm oil because i feel like i can come sit back down and then i'm like re-energized i don't know if that feels true for you but sometimes i'm just like trying to go too long and it's like diminishing returns yeah no i <clears throat> i'm 100 percent right there with you no i i obviously love the the little you know um <laughs> realization you're like the more i talk the more this space seems to be coming true um <laughs> But the I just change need in, you to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, Joe, anytime. Um, but the change in perspective, I do appreciate because like you, I work from a computer most of the day and uh, I do find myself like I'll just be sitting here, not even like, I don't even know that it's as active as yours is like looking at email or whatever. It's like I'm flipping back and forth through tabs and I'm like, are you trying to listen to something? Are you like trying to take notes? Are you trying to like schedule something? Like, what are you doing here? Uh, mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll just get up, you know, go into the kitchen. Like, are you hungry? 
you know, are you thirsty? Do you need to, do you need to, you know, refill your water or whatever? Right. Or do I need to go like do a chore here at the house? Cause I, you know, work from home to, to just kind of zoom out for a second. And like you said, staring off, which I've actually heard, pretty sure I've heard Andrew Humer been talk about that before, mm-hmm. as far as like staring off into a horizon, giving yourself perspective and like literal perspective. Uh, one other thing that I like to do every I I should do it more often than I do, but one half day a week or something like that, I'll go work from a coffee shop, like take three or four Mm -hmm. calls from a coffee shop just because Mm -hmm. like, well, is it, is it more like uh, efficient? Cause I have two screens right here. Like, no, but it kind of gives me, I can look around at different things. I can see people's faces that aren't behind a screen. You know, I can have a human interaction. So like you said, it's just a shift in perspective, no matter how, how you get there. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it's, that's, that's the power of environment. You can be more creative. You can like, that's something that I actually do. Like I work from, we have an office that's like 45 minutes away. I drive there three days a week. I work from here two days a week. So like it, I do a lot of creative work here. I do a lot of like team interactive building together there. So like you can use your environment to say like, this is my creative environment. This is my, I'm going to get a bunch of tasks done. Like drink some coffee, bust out a bunch of emails, um, environment and perspective is a huge lever for productivity. Yeah, for sure. No, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, well, I think that's, uh, that'll do it for us today. Is there anything else that you want uh, everybody to know slash where can people find you, you know, like you, um, outside of cured, uh, if they want to know more? Yeah. Yeah. I am going to say go to curednutrition.com. So that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com. I mentioned one product there, but we've got a bunch of products. If you guys use the code H-D-S-M-T, you can save 20% off if you want to buy any of our products. Um, Most of our products are for calming and sleep. And I think most of the world struggles with stress and inability to sleep. So our goal is to help people with that and it affects everything. So if you're interested, we've got a bunch of sleep products. We've got a bunch of stress relieving products, calming products. Um, and you can use that coupon code hidden summit abbreviated HDSMT. And then for myself, my personal Instagram is Joseph J O S E P H S H E E H E Y. would love to connect with anybody that found anything on this podcast helpful or had any questions or wants to know about cured. Um, and thank you, Justin, for having me. This was awesome, brother. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming. Y'all, uh, y'all go follow Joey on, uh, Instagram and, uh, you know, once you listen to this episode and you have a takeaway, which we know you will, I mean, there's lots of gems in this one, uh, you know, shoot him a, shoot him a DM. He's not a, yeah. you know, he's not a, he's not a standoffish guy. He'll talk to you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, check out the products. Uh, use the code if you want to save a little money. And um, until then, we'll catch you all next time. Thank you, brother.